Hello and welcome to Table Topics, the general advice and discussion podcast from the RPG Academy. I am Michael and this is Table Topics episode number 72, The City of Brass. In this episode, Caleb and I sit across the virtual table with friend of the show, Lucas, who is one of two co-founders of Embers Design Studios. They fairly recently had a Kickstarter for a Pathfinder module called the Book of Terranol. And uh, they are about to launch a new Kickstarter that probably will be out before this even airs for the City of Brass suite of tools, which is a web-based program that is a character builder, a, a story builder, a world builder, and a campaign manager that is system agnostic. So we sit down with Lucas and we talk all about it. Uh, there will be some links in the show notes to some tutorial videos that he posted as well as to the Kickstarter that, again, should be active by the time this comes out. And I hope you guys will check it out. Also, stick around to the end of the show where we have a new five-star review on iTunes we need to read. And we have our first sponsor. And we're going to talk a little bit about that at the end of the show. So here is Table Topics, episode number 72, The City of Brass. Hello and welcome to Table Topics. I am Michael. And I have brought along with me, as I always do, my favorite co-host and yours, the Caleb G. Caleb, how are you doing tonight, sir? Wow, Michael, I'm doing great. I feel like, uh, I feel a little bit of deja vu going on here tonight. I don't know if that's just me. I think there's a glitch in the matrix. Def- yeah, there's definitely a black cat walking around that I think I saw before. Yeah. So despite our deja vu that we've done this before, maybe it's just because we've done this, you know, 70 times before, and that may be, that may be why we're getting uh, confused. But irregardless... Uh, we are here to talk tonight to talk about the City of Brass. If you are not familiar with the City of Brass, we are going to change that. It is a uh, soon-to-be-released, and actually by the time you're listening to this, it should be in the process of being kickstarted, suite of tools designed to help manage your RPG games. Uh, it is created by a friend of the show, Lucas, and his design partner. He uh, runs Embers Design Studios. And this will be their second Kickstarter. We're going to talk a little bit about that and get a little bit more specific as we go. But before we get into that, we always want to take a moment to talk about why we're here. So Caleb and I use these table topics to try to give some advice and share some opinions that we have gleaned from our many years of playing tabletop RPGs. Uh, But we understand that the advice we give or the opinions we share are not going to be applicable for every situation, every table, every time. But there is one piece of advice that we feel is pretty universal. And Caleb, what is that one piece of advice? If you're having fun, you're doing it right. That is correct. And that is our motto here at the RPG Academy, that no matter what game you're playing or what a system or addition or what rules you use, don't use, or misuse, if you're having fun, you're playing the game correctly. So with that out of the way, we're going to move into our gamer's lexicon, which is pretty much going to be the whole rest of this show. So Caleb, what is our gamer's lexicon for tonight? Tonight, Michael, our gamer's lexicon is the city of brass and i think this is a perfect time to introduce our guest voice uh tonight who will be happy to define the city of brass for us so uh lucas step on up hello i'm lucas with embers design studios and i'm one half of the team behind the city of brass and the city of brass is a web app designed to manage the mechanics of pen and paper rpgs so that you can focus on what's important which is playing that game. 
Fantastic. So before we get too far into that, let's learn a little bit more about Lucas. So um, you've been playing RPGs for a week and a half now, right? Yeah, a week and a half plus a couple of decades. So I've been playing for about 27 years. I started with AD&D and uh, have worked through each edition of Dungeons & Dragons since then, as well as a whole handful of other RPGs. Okay, so for you, the City of Brass is sort of, um, one, it's a labor of love, and two, it's a, out of necessity. This is, this is a tool that you designed in a lot of ways because you needed it or wanted it, and you've built it around the desires that you've had as a game master for 27 years, correct? Yeah, that's, that's correct. So um, I, I have long wanted a single place where I can bring together all of the different things that I need to run a game, and my players can bring in the stuff that they need to play that game. Um, I, I don't like carrying around boxes full of books, um, and, and so we, we put together the City of Brass really to be the one place that you can go uh, to run and manage your game. Let's start off with a quick little definition. Uh, you said that the City of Brass is going to be a web application. So, so mechanically, this is going to be accessed through uh, the browser of your tablet or laptop or desktop, right? Tablet, phone, laptop, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, the system works on every device. Uh, so we're, we're using responsive HTML to, to create it. So you can, you can use your phone, and we have people at our table that use their phones. You can use your tablet. Uh, you can use an, a laptop. It really, it's, it's whatever device works best for you. It doesn't matter if it's an iPhone or an Android or a, a, a Windows Surface, whatever they're called. Any, any platform, any device, City works fine on all of them. Is city is the city of brass going to continue to be web only? Is there an app uh, in the future? Unlikely. Uh, we we are likely going to remain uh, accessed through your browser. Okay. Well, that certainly makes sense. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it. Uh, we all have multiple web browsing devices with us most of the time, so that's a very smart move. Good for easy access. Um, something we touched on earlier briefly. You guys basically designed the City of Brass from the ground up to meet your own needs and requirements at the gaming table. And uh, we absolutely live in a world where um, making this kind of stuff is a reality, and it's a, uh, it's a welcome addition to the gaming table. Um, the role-playing game hobby that we all share is generally pretty welcome and accepting of these new things. And there are so many new technologies that have started purely because a designer said, I really need something that does X. And not only did they make it for themselves and their local gaming group, but they decided to launch it on a, a larger scale and it took off and flew. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, the not really just the design process of uh, the City of Brass, but kind of what it is, what you're trying to do with it. Just give us the whole spiel. All right. So our, our vision is that we have an application that allows you for any, any RPG, doesn't matter which one you want to play, any device, any RPG, uh, you, can, you can play and run that game. So as a player, you can bring your characters in. As a game master, you create your world, you create your adventures, and then together you run the whole deal. So right now we have we have four systems that, that you'll be looking at. We have our entity builder, which will be used by players and game masters alike. That's where players will go to create their characters. That's where game masters will go to create 
creatures and NPCs and things of that nature. We have our world builder system where the game master will go to create the setting. And we have, we have our story builder system, which is where you go to write your adventure. And then we have our campaign manager, which kind of brings the players and the, the game master together in one location to, to run the, the, the campaign, if you will. You can use campaign manager for a single story or for an ongoing, ongoing game. All right. So let's, let's take a look at those sort of individually. So Entity Builder, uh, as you said, that's where, as a player, I would go in and create my character. Now, I know probably the first question that's that's everyone's asking themselves right now is, is this going to have 5th edition support for D&D? Because there's been issues with other tools that have been in the process that got kind of stopped or shut down. And then recently there were some cease and desist letters that were sent out from Watsy to a couple other 5e builders. So is there going to be 5e support? And if so, how are you doing that without getting yourself in trouble? So there absolutely will be support for 5th edition and for any, any game system. So what we are not doing is creating a rules engine that takes other people's intellectual property and brings it into our system and delivers it to you as a player. So that means that you won't come into the City of Brass for 5th edition and find a list of feats and a list of spells. That's, that's not our, our intellectual property. We don't have a right to deliver that. What you will find is a system that can handle the the input of, of spells and feats and skills that you would need to play 5th edition. So you will enter what you need to for your character and we will simply catalog that for you. For other games like Pathfinder or Di other Die 20 games, uh, What's Old is New, which is a game we've been play testing, that, that have a, a more open uh, avail, you know, where we, where we can. We do have a stock rules engine so we can, we can load those things. Um, but we will not be doing that for 5th edition until and unless uh, Wizards of the Coast was to decide that, that, that we could. So one thing I can take away from that, Lucas, is uh, the City of Brass is kind of an empty slate. And whatever players and GMs need to bring to the game, uh, the City of Brass is a way to facilitate the easy presentation and collection of the books and notepads and post-it stickies that we tend to litter the gaming table with, right? That, that is absolutely correct. So our, our first focus is on creating a system that is game agnostic. So we, we are not attempting to replace your rule books. We are attempting to give you a place where instead of having a whole table full of papers and, and books, you, you can put all of your stuff in one place and access it from your tablet or your phone or from, from wherever it is. But our, our, our driving focus is to remain system agnostic. So that, that has allowed us to create a very flexible system uh, that you can you can bring in house rules, you can add them, you can do really whatever you want to do for whatever game system. If you want, for example, in our we we play a D and D five E campaign. We're playing through the uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen, but we wanted uh, some sort of uh, story points, kind of like uh, conceptually like the fate points. So you can you can absolutely add those into your character in the City of Brass. It doesn't it doesn't matter because you the, it's not a we created a default character sheet, but you can add it and tweak that. You can add skills to that. You can add your own custom feats. You can really add whatever it is you want. So we're trying to make the, a system that is flexible that does what you want it to do and what I want it to do. And the way we do that is by making it as freeform as possible. What we are, as I mentioned, what we are not trying to do is uh, is give you all the rules. So we we will do that where we can. But but games that we're not allowed to, or games that 
games that, that that's not an option, you can still come in and use the system to play that game. You're just going to have to enter some of that data yourself, and it will only be available to you. Right. So, uh, for, so for example, like Pathfinder has an SRD that is freely and legally available. Um, so there is a, I, I think this is maybe one of the stretch goals you talk about with your Kickstarter that, that you can up, you can basically load those into the system so that if you were playing Pathfinder or playing a 3.5 game, then all those rules are there and you could select the spells from the spell list. You could spec select the feats from the feat list. For fifth edition where there is no OGL, you would have to input all of that yourself either as for the character you're building or for the NPCs that you build or the monsters that you build. But once they're entered, they're there. And then like, say if I wanted to build a second character, would I be able to have to retype everything or could I pull over? Well, I had wizard number one and I want to use three of the same spells. Are those spells once they're entered always available to me? They're available to you. They, so um, for games that have an OGL, we can absolutely enter uh, that information and it will be available for you to pick. You won't have to enter it all. So that that's good and that is part of our uh, Kickstarter stretch goals. We'll we'll likely add all of them eventually anyhow. Um, it's just the 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 more that we're able to raise with Kickstarter, the the more time we'll be able to put into this. Uh, but for other games like 5e, uh, you will build your own library of information as you build your characters. So for example, uh, we've got our the game that we play and my fighter Finn. Uh, has a couple various skills and abilities, right? I've entered those into the city of Brasford, and um, the next time I play a fighter, I won't have to re-enter them. They're there for me. They're only available to me. They're on my account. Uh, they are not available publicly. You know, they're just stored for, for me. So I don't have to re-enter them. That, that goes for skill, or pardon me, for spells, feats, and uh, special abilities. You do have the capability to add things that are specific to a character that don't get saved. They're just for that one character. So like in a in a game of fate, um, where you have aspects and things that are really just one character has has a specific aspect, you'd add that to the character. You won't, you probably won't want to save that to your account. So you'll use another avenue to do that, um, as opposed to if you're playing something like Dungeons and Dragons, where you want to have a feat that you'll use again and again and again. Right. So basically, you couldn't crowdsource fifth edition in a week and a half, and if everyone just logged in and then systematically filled it up. It's not going to be there, but on your account, you can put in anything you want and it's always available to you. Right. It's, it's there for you. So, so I've been, uh, I've spent the last couple of weeks putting in Pathfinder spells. If you want to do that for fifth edition for your specific account and type from your player's handbook in, um, I, then, then yeah, More power you to you. it's, it's, okay. it's there for you. It won't be available right. to me. It won't be available to the Caleb, but it is there for you. Okay. That's, that's uh, actually very, very cool and flexible and it makes a lot of sense. It's really no different than if I wanted to make my own homebrew spell cards. There's nothing keeping me from typing those onto my computer or printing them out. And then I have them for my personal use at my table. If I were to try to go sell those, that's when I get myself in trouble. Correct. But if 5th edition does come out with an OGL at some point, which I hope they do, because I have some future plans that involve the, that logo myself, um, then you will have the opportunity. You could then load it into the system uh, for everybody, correct? Oh, yeah. If they were to come out with an OGL, you can, you can believe we'll load that into the system. All right. So is there anything else about Entity Builder? Uh, it's a way for players to make their own characters. If it's a game that has an OGL or SRD, it'll be a little bit more point and click. Otherwise, it'll be a little bit more freeform in, uh, database entering. Uh, you can use it to create monsters. NPCs, what about traps? If I wanted to make a trap as a DM, is that the way that you'd use that as well? Yeah, so um, for, the, for, the, 
for the DM or the, the game master, uh, I've used Entity Builder for a variety of things. Um, I've used it to create vehicles. I've used it to create traps. I've used it to create monsters. Uh, it's, we call it an entity. Um, we call it a creature in the city of brass. Uh, you can think of it kind of like a character sheet, uh, and it's got all of the different options that you might want, and the things that show up in the output are just what you include. So uh, when you go to create an entity or a, a trap, for example, you probably won't give that trap a feat, and so the output will not show a feat. It will just show the elements that you enter. So you can be you can be uh, very specific, or or you know you could just use kind of the freeform text pieces. It, it really is up to you. The key will be um, you can bring those monsters and those entities, those traps or vehicles and such, into your adventure and tag them into your adventure in our story builder system. Wonderful. So that is a great transition over to the next chunk of the City of Brass. Uh, you got to have somewhere to put all these entities, and that's the story. So uh, you said that uh, the story builder is a way to... Uh, collectively contain all the ideas and bits and pieces of the story. Uh, so how does that work? So Story Builder um, is our answer to adventure design. So you create, you create an adventure or a story or a mission, whatever it is you call it, um, and, that, and think of that kind of as the, uh, as the manila folder that holds everything. Inside that adventure, you're going to add encounters. Uh, encounters are available. Um, they're going to be your, kind of your go-to pieces. You've also got available handouts that are for your players. So you'd create a handout, and you'll, you'll assign it out to your players. And the key there is um, when you, as the, the game master, look at your story, you've got a menu, uh, kind of like a chapter system, right? You might have chapter one, chapter two, or scene one, scene two, scene three. You don't want your players to see that. So you'll give them a handout, and that menu is suppressed. They'll just see the handout. But when you look at the handout, you're going to get your whole adventure structure. Uh, so inside a story builder, you'll go in, you'll create your encounters, you'll build your adventure. You've got some tools in there for you know, for like uh, read aloud text and things of that nature. You can do some HTML formatting uh, using uh, a web web builder. You don't actually have to know HTML. You'll, you'll use the, the web system to do that. You can pull images in from our stock image library. Uh, you can pull maps in from our stock map library. Um, and then you can bring those entities over from Entity Builder and associate them with your encounters or other elements of Story Builder. And then, again, Entity Builder is just like the rest of the, the system, as you enter monsters or creatures or whatever, they are available on your account. So you could use them on this adventure, you can use them in the next one and the next one, and you'll put them onto your story, uh, and then you'll be able to access them right at the gaming table, um, right from your encounter. Eventually, I mean, we don't have this in place yet, but eventually what will happen is you'll be able to track initiative there on your story. You'll be able to track hit points for each of those different monsters. Uh, if they've got powers, you know, in 4th edition, for example, there are all sorts of things that have powers that they could use once an encounter or that recharge and whatnot. All of that trackable stuff will be available to you inside a story builder kind of tied onto that encounter. Um, that's that's a, a future enhancement that, that we're building towards. All right, so to make sure I understand, so you can bring maps in. So is this like a virtual tabletop at that moment, or this is just like for ambience, like here's the map where you're at, but you're actually not moving tokens or anything on a screen anywhere, right? No, this is not a virtual tabletop. So the, you would bring in a map. It's really, think of it as the story builder system is kind of, if you're the game master, it's the adventure, and you're looking at it. Um, it's just you're not looking at it on paper with a map on, on your piece of paper. You've got a map in the system available. You could show it to your players, 
the better option there would be to create a handout with the map and show it to them. But it is it is not a virtual tabletop. A absolutely not. Okay. But there might be a combat uh, module added at a later time so that you could run the combat because you can already attach monsters. So let's say that I'm starting my game and the first thing that's going to happen is uh, they're, they're on a caravan through the woods and they get attacked by goblins. And that's going to be the first thing that happens uh, game one, night one, whatever. So I can say in Story Builder, I can go in and type out the ambush and put some NPCs or, you know, the, the, the sounds of the forest, the creak of the wagon wheels, the babbling brook nearby, then the goblins attack, and I've attached four goblins in there, either in 5th edition that I've entered myself, or another game system where there's SRD, I can pull the stats directly from the, the information available. But I can't necessarily right now go, okay, goblin one gets hit for five points of damage, click a couple buttons, and it shows that on the screen. That's something that you can do, but you can't quite do it yet. Is that correct? That's correct. That's, that's, uh, that is a thing we're building towards. I would That's probably... Uh, going to be available in the next 90 days or so, but it's hard to know. Lot, lots of things can uh, can affect our timeline there. Sure. So. Now, you did say with Entity Builder that you can you can roll as a character. Like, I can set up that I know that my stealth, I have a dex of 16, I get a plus 3 because of my skills, and I can just click stealth, and it will do a die roll and tell me that I've got a total of 13 for that roll. Can I do that with the monsters now? Can I, can I at least roll their attacks uh, currently, or is that also not available yet? So it's not available for creatures. You could enter your monsters as characters if you wanted to access that, but, uh, but, but no, it's not presently available. That will, be, that will all come with our challenge module um, that, that is, is queued up for development, so you'll be, your monsters will become interactive, um, and you'll be able to track their hit points and, and anything else related to them. Not there today, not there right now, but will be available in the near future. Okay, excellent. All right. I think that's a really cool look behind the curtain for this type of development. The, the fact that you guys are doing this all from scratch is really cool and impressive. The fact that you're launching this on Kickstarter is awesome. And the fact that you are very transparent with the, hey, audience, here's what's next on the docket kind of thing just demonstrates that you guys are not a flash in the pan, here's our software, we're done. <laughs> you are in it for the long haul to keep developing and keep uh, cranking out the stuff that you need as players, let alone what your audience members need. Absolutely. And, and you know, that's part of why our schedules could change, right? So once we, once we get people, we've been using it, we've been using the City of Brass at our own gaming table for almost a year now. But once we, once we go to beta and bring in people post the Kickstarter, uh, I expect that we'll probably get some requests for things that are, are likely, you know, they, they may bump out different priorities that we have. So we feel like, we might feel like the challenge module is the next thing, but, but uh, when we have, you know, more people using it, we're likely to run into other things that we might need to be focused on. Okay. Gotcha. So is gotcha. there anything else about Story Builder that we need to cover? Um, so again, you know, are there like templates, for example? Like, well, it'll say box text here, monsters here, or is it all more of like a freeform word processing program? Or how does it actually look on the screen? So as a, when you go to design it, you're going to be looking at a, a just a, kind of a blank screen, and you're going to add sections. We call them page sections. And there's different types of page sections. So you'll add a page section for read-aloud text or you'll add a page section for just regular text, or you'll add a page section for secret notes. Or, um, and then you've, you've got, uh, in addition to these sections, you've got what we call uh, features. 
and features are, are where you can you can add uh, elements at the top. So if when you look at a when you, when it gets laid out at the very top, you'll have your features. They're like short bullet items, and then your page will be built out be beneath that. Um, so it, it guides you uh, through the process. You don't you don't like I said you don't need to know anything about building a web page. You'll just go and you'll build all these sections out. Um, and it will it will place them all for you. There's also a parent. There's there's a couple of ways to help uh, organize everything. So you've of course you've got your story, your adventure, um, and then inside of that you're going to have your encounters. Uh, and your encounters can have child encounters. So you might have uh, a dungeon, and it might have ten rooms. So you could create the dungeon as your parent encounter, then create the ten rooms as child encounters to that parent. And they will automatically, assuming you tell them to, they will automatically show up in the dungeon encounter for you so you can easily drill into any of them uh, and then drill back up and down from them. So when I write an adventure, I, I structure it in that way so that as, as my players go from room to room to room to room, I can bounce easily bounce back and forth between each of the different rooms that are available in the dungeon. We've also got a tag system so you can tag things um, and then use those tags to bring them in um, both as page sections and as features, you can bring all these things in with uh, with the tags and the parent-child relationship. It really um, will help set up and manage your adventure uh, in a way that I, I I mean I have found it to be immensely helpful uh, when I'm running the game. Even more so, those page sections, those parent-child relationships, um, and the the tags are very useful in the world builder system, um, where uh, you're able to, to associate things like uh, One Nation and all of the cities and the NPCs and things in it. But very useful in both systems. And that's one of the, one of the, one of the things that we've done inside the city of Brass is, is attempt to make each of the different systems as similar. They function as similarly as possible. So if you, if you learn how to create an adventure in Story Builder, you know how to create a world in the world builder system because they use the same fundamental processes. They're going to look the same. They'll walk and talk the same. You'll be familiar with them um, as you cross systems. Okay, so I guess that probably moves us into uh, the world builder. Then that would be the kind of the next step along the train there. So tell us a little bit more about that. All right, so world builder is meant to do exactly what it sounds like. So uh, we we wanted a system where you could easily and quickly create a game setting, and then you could manage that game setting in a again in a in a very simple way. So um, I I have entered my my own home, our own homebrew world that we've been playing in for you know 20, 25 years, and we we structure it with with these records where where you will say this is the world of Corinth. That's the name of our home homebrew world, and then I've I've entered as a child to Corinth. In World Builder has several kind of sub elements. It's got an atlas where you're going to enter things like continents and cities and whatnot. It's got a uh, an inhabitants. Uh, section where you'll enter people or races. Uh, it's got a religions area where you're going to enter your religions and a deities section where you'll enter the gods um, that are maybe associated with those religions, maybe, maybe not. Um, so it's got several sub-elements to it as well. You'll go in there and you'll build all these things out. Um, then you'll create a custom menu so you, you can decide what the menu is when you go to see your see your world. Um, you know, like when you look at Corinth or uh, we the, the Valley of the Kings, which is a, a, a micro- uh, world that we created with our Book of Turnial Adventure. Um, we've, we published that out on World Builder and it's available. You could go look at it. There's a, there's a link there for the Atlas, which is, it just links to the different areas of the world. And then you can see the races that are there. 
you can see the, the religions and the gods that they worship. And all of that is interlinked uh, dynamically through the use of parent-child records and tags. So I can, I, I can for example, create a state. Um, maybe, maybe I could create the, the United States, for example, in the world builder. And then I might, I might create a, an NPC for the president. And I could associate that, that inhabitant, that NPC inhabitant, with the United States and then access it dynamically using features or page sections. And you can build out all of your MPCs in there, and you can link them over to your entity builder if you've got an entity builder record for them. Um, you can, so you, you can interlink, uh, you can link, you know, nations and people. You can, all of that interlinks through tags and uh, parent-child records so that you don't have to manage that yourself. What I found as I build my game setting uh, through HTML is it gets to be a real pain in the butt. As your world grows, it gets very difficult to manage all of the different pieces there. Um, using the city of brass, I, I, you know, you, you start, it's kind of like a pyramid. At the top is the, games, the game world, and then I just build out from there, and, and, this, and the system manages all that interlinking for me. Wonderful. So what we have here so far, we've talked about um, the entity builder, which lets you put in your characters, NPCs, monsters, traps, whatever you want, the things that exist. Uh, we have the story builder, so you can keep track of all the bits and pieces, the elements of the story. Um, you can put your encounters in, whether that's a single fight, whether it's a social encounter, whether it's a dungeon with a bunch of different rooms. Uh, and then we have the world builder, where you can put everything about the world. The political structure, the religious structure, the different uh, countries and rulers and city-states that basically just outline the entire world in there. What else does the City of Brass give us beyond those three primary tools? So we've got our campaign manager, which is our fourth major uh, subsystem, if you will, and the campaign manager kind of brings everything else together. So this is where, uh, as a game master, you're going to set up a campaign and you'll, bring, you'll invite your players to that campaign. Your players will bring their character and add the character to the campaign. You're going to bring in the world and add the setting to that campaign. You'll bring the adventure and add that to the campaign. Um, some of this is available publicly. Some of this is only available to you as the, the game master. Um, some of it's available to your players and you. Uh, just, uh, there's, there's privacy settings for all of that. Inside a campaign man manager, you'll also post uh, your game recaps. You can post house rules that are specific to that game. And, you know, you have a kind of a shared area where you can post news and, and, and whatever it is you, you, you want to post up there. So the campaign manager uh, brings the other elements together. It's really where you're going to go um, to run the game itself and where your players will go to see their, uh, the, all of the different recaps that you've got for your game and to see the public parts of the other characters. So they'll be able to see a character sheet that comes out of Entity Builder has basically two, two elements. It's got a profile, which is really meant to be public, and it's got a character sheet, which is probably private, although it could be public if you want it to be. And, and so the, the character, they each have different privacy settings. So the inside a campaign manager, if you set your character profile to public, your other players can go and look at that. So in our 5e games, we put our uh, background and our ideal and our flaws on the profile. And we put things like uh, all of our stats and skills and stuff on the character sheet. And then we share the profiles, so anybody at any time can go look at those. 
and the, the character sheet itself is available to the player and to the game master through Campaign Manager. Okay, so really what you're saying here is that the City of Brass is a piece of software that is intended to hold all of the paper supplements that we would have at the gaming table. It's, it's a place to put the character sheets, the, the monster stats, the, the notes the game master makes about the world and the encounters, uh, the maps that he or she might draw up, the, the pictures that he or she might put together for the monsters or the environments. It's, the, the city of brass is meant to capture all of those bits and pieces of paper and have it be in one place where everyone can go to and easily manage the game. Absolutely. And for all the games that you play, so you don't have to have one place for D&D 5e and another place for Pathfinder and another place for Fate. You have one place for all the games that you play. It's always there. It's available for you anytime on any device you have. Um, pretty. It's, it's, I have personally found it extremely convenient to be able to pull up any any piece of it on my phone or my tablet. You know, you get it. There's a slightly different experience if you're using a phone versus a tablet or a computer, just by the nature of the device. But everything is available. It's extremely convenient. All right. Well, I guess that leads us to the the big question: uh, What's it going to cost? One from the Kickstarter, and then two once it's out and about. What's it going to cost me to buy into this? So that's part of the function of our beta is to do, to to make sure that what we are uh, what we have modeled for costs are are going to work for us. So I can't give you the the ultimate price today. What I can tell you is it's a subscription model. There there is so you'll you'll have a, a monthly or an annual charge to access the City of Brass. For our Kickstarter, uh, we're looking at a, at several different levels, and the the first level, which will give you access during our beta period, which is probably going to be about three months, is $20. Um, and then you'll be able to, if you're interested, you'll be able to get a, a one-year subscription beyond that during the Kickstarter that we're looking at for $24. Um, and you could, you, could, you could buy up to three years of your subscription there through the Kickstarter for $24 each. Um, but, but our go-live price, once, once we're out of beta and into production, we, that's the part of beta is to make sure that we've got all those assumptions right. Uh, so I can't, I can't answer that today. Okay. But so at least for the Kickstarter, you're looking at $24 for a year subscription, essentially two bucks a month. That's correct for the Kickstarter. Absolutely. That's not bad for what you're offering. No, we, uh, we're, we're trying to be as reasonable as possible. Well, that makes good sense. I mean, you are putting together tools that are pretty common sense. You're just condensing them all and making it really, really convenient. Um, I think Michael said this earlier. You guys are clearly doing this out of your love for the game and your love for the hobby. This isn't a take advantage of the gamers <laughs> and gouge them for a service they really need. This is a unique way of collecting and assembling what we're already doing. I mean, I'm still an old pencil and paper kind of guy and whenever I go to the gaming table I've got to throw three or four notebooks in my bag along with my source book and PHB and monster manual so you're just making my job easier that Basically. is our goal yeah. make what, what you do what I do what what Michael does easier 
Um, and you know, we, we'll do that in a variety of ways. One is to collect all that up. Another is um, to provide where we can stock rules. We've got some stock images that are available. We've got stock maps. Uh, we, we envision a future day where we, we could publish stock adventures that people can pull down. Um, probably have a community area where people could contribute stuff. Uh, that's all future stuff that we do not have in place today, but it's stuff that we can, you know, we can see uh, a, a value to that at some point and, uh, and hope to be able to deliver it at some point. Well, it um, it sounds very cool. You do have, which we're recording this before the Kickstarter goes live. By the time anyone hears this, the Kickstarter will already be out. But you have several YouTube videos that you've put together where you kind of walk through uh, the various aspects and kind of show like a tutorial of, of how the system works and what it actually would look like. So certainly by the time this goes live, there will be... It, those will be available possibly even more through the Kickstarter. So if people are not quite understanding or they want to see what it's going to look like, they have some avenues. Uh, if you will send me any links, I will make sure to include those in the show notes so that I can uh, get those on there for people as well. It sounds like you're putting something together that would, as Caleb said, very convenient. And uh, I, honestly, I think the, the pricing model is pretty outstanding. I mean, obviously those aren't final prices, uh, but you know, I, I, I'm unabashedly a big fan of what Trapdoor Technologies was trying to do with uh, with their with their game or their their system, and I wanted that to fund. And it sounds like you're doing something kind of similar to that, but I think your numbers are a little bit I don't know about more realistic, but they're more attainable, I think, uh, at least early on. So uh, I, of course, wish you all the best success in the world, sir. And I look forward to uh, getting involved in that Kickstarter when it goes live. Thank you. And, uh, and thanks for having me on today. Oh, our pleasure. Uh, we always like to ask, though, we're not going to let you get out of here without uh, answering our uh, official question. Caleb, do you want to throw out our closer question for a friend Lucas here? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so, Lucas, our um, RPG Academy Closer question, uh, what is the one piece of advice that you would give to any brand new GM, DM, or player coming to the role-playing table? I guess I would say have fun. Don't get too caught up in the rules. Just have a good time. That's the whole point. We play this game because it's fun, or it should be. So if you're not having fun, then something's wrong. And it could be the game system you're playing. It could be the group you're playing with. It could just be your mood. You're having a bad day. And maybe it should be a, a movie night instead of a role-playing game night. But absolutely, focus on the fun. Uh, the rules should always take a backseat, says the fluff master. <laughs> that sounded dirty. <laughs> Awesome. All right, Lucas. Well, we'll get you off of here since we, we spent half an hour talking that will never be wasn't recorded. So you've been here for an hour. I uh, do appreciate your time. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time to have me on. I do appreciate it. Of course, man. All right. Tell everybody I said hey, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Bye -bye. Lucas. All right, guys. Uh, at the end of the show here, we normally read some reviews and comments from you, the listeners. Here is our newest five-star review on iTunes. This comes from Zombie Slag, who is a pretty new and frequent commenter on Twitter. So Zombie Slag, thank you so much for uh, communicating with us on Twitter. Uh, we appreciate it. And thank you ever so much for writing us a five-star review. This is what Zombie Slag had to say. Good for the GM and PC alike. I particularly enjoy the interview episodes and table topics. Lots of great advice for new and veteran GMs and PCs alike. 
a great show for even the most casual of RPG fans. Crunch and Fluff both very well represented. Thank you so much, Zombie Slag, again for that five-star review. Uh, we currently have about 32 ratings on iTunes. Uh, all but one is five-star. And uh, we would like some more. Because the more we get, uh, the higher it will push us up the charts and more and more people will possibly find us. So please, if you are listening to the show and you enjoy what we do, a uh, rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher would help us out tremendously. So thank you. And next, we're going to talk about our new sponsor, EasyRollerDice.com. Uh, we have our first ever official sponsor of the RPG Academy, and we are thrilled to be talking about them. Uh, Michael, you got a little something in the mail from them. So how about you share your experience? Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about this. Uh, we got contacted by EasyRollerDice.com, and they offered to send us some free product to check out. And if we felt that it was something that we would want to share or promote to go ahead. And that's kind of what we're doing here. Um, so they sent me two of their bulk dice sets. And it's basically, it's like a hundred piece uh, random mixture of dice um, in, in the, like a velvet dice bag. Uh, again, I was very happy with the quality of the dice. Uh, I, you know, I've gotten large bulks dice before, like at Gen Con, you can get the big scoop of dice. Um, these were much more of a set. I was able to actually create sets out of these and these are dice that I would use at my table. Uh, they are what they call factory first dice so they're good quality, uh, clarity. Uh, these are dice that I would use at my table and for the price it's right around $24 for 100 dice plus the bag, free shipping. That's a very very good deal. On top of that I know for myself usually if I'm going to buy a new set of dice it's for a character like I have a brand new character I want to play so I want a new set of dice to go with it. You can also get just regular you know p uh, sets of dice on their uh, site as well comes with the bag again free shipping and on top of that they've offered us a coupon code so if you do go check out their website which again is easyrollerdice.com and at checkout you put in the code rpg you're going to get 10% off of your order uh, so thank you very much easyrollerdice.com for sending me the, the product uh, i do think it's very cool and i hope at least some of our listeners will take a moment head over there check it out and see if this is something that you would like to buy, uh, especially use that coupon code, get a little bit better price. And I will put some links in the show notes um, so you guys can check them out. Thanks for attending the RPG Academy and listening to our podcast. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. This podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash the RPG Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We will use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out numerous ways. One, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes, or you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. Also, if you clear your cookies and then visit Amazon or DriveThruRPG through our portal, we get a kickback from your orders, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like an RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. 
you can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com. Or you can reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google+. We are there under the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.